0: Welcome to Orange Soul, everybody. I am unbelievably pumped to have you here. We are excited to chat about communication, connection, and confidence. hey i I'd like to thank our sponsor, Reminisce Audio. If you'd like to record a podcast or an audio biography or interview someone, Reminisce Audio has your back. Head over to ReminisceAudio.com. Mike Page here. Hey, Mike. It's Carolyn. How are you? I'm good. Good, good. Mike, can you go ahead and take it away? Well, I'd love to hear your bio. Well, Carolyn,
1: thank you for inviting me. And
0: I'm, I'm really glad that we're going to have the
1: opportunity to visit for a bit this evening, and uh, especially about such an important topic, um, such as leadership and the things that surround it. Uh, a little bit about me, you asked. Uh, by profession, I'm a pediatric audiologist. I've spent much, though not most of my career, Uh, Much of my career in the field of hearing loss for infants and children, um, some aspect of adults, but primarily in the pediatric arena. So I've worked in uh, the field of cochlear implantation as well as amplification or hearing aids for babies and children, uh, any types of implantable devices I've been involved with for many years but i've always had this sideline this little parallel path at the same time that i've enjoyed so much and it's entailed um, aspects of leadership ethical practices professional relationships and boundaries and and while I still dabble in pediianda uh, and it seems to catch a uh, catch the sale I guess is uh, what I want to say, people seem very, very interested in some of these uh, parts of leadership that you and I tend to uh, participate in, whether we want to or not in our lives
0: oh absolutely, and that 's such a beautiful thing is leadership is so. Evolutionary, and it's constantly changing with different generations and with different times and technology, and it's just continually evolving. And I would love what your thoughts are on what makes someone a great leader.
1: Oh, such a great question! I I think we have to acknowledge first of all what what are leaders, and uh, and and how do we become one? Well, and, and I've got kids as well, so I'm personally involved in. Raising kids with my wife and one of the things that we talk about with the kids is that you're a leader. If you have any aspect of influence over anyone else around you, if you influence others for good or for bad, you're a leader. And so the aspect that we need to worry about in terms of leadership is Are we the kind of a leader that will bring people to better places that will be for positive influence and will um, will really be the force for good in the world? Because we know we know by sad experience that that there are bad leaders in the world and and these can even be bullies on the playground, um those are another type of a leader that are that are actually demeaning and degrading and destructive and it's just not the kind of leader we want to be so how do we become that leader i'm not sure there's any formal training for it although there are lots of leadership training programs around the country and i've always encouraged people to attend and be a part of leadership training programs but it comes down to some fundamental parts. I want to call them characteristics or even behaviors. And at this stage in my career, after about 35 years of being involved in in most every level of healthcare in some way or another, I've not only had the opportunity to be led by good leaders and even some marginal leaders, but I've I've been given the opportunity to practice my hand at leadership as well. One of the things that, in fact, I ran into it just this morning, um, uh, a a leadership guru that you may be familiar with, Simon Sinek, um, did a little publication this morning on, on LinkedIn. And he talked about two aspects of leadership that really hit home for me. And what's interesting is what he's talking about is something that I have been teaching and, and lecturing on for the last several years, and yet he brought this idea forward, put it into a great light, and, uh, and provided a, a little graphic and visual to go along with it that really hit home for me. And he said, leadership is, a, is about two aspects. One is performance, how we perform as a leader, and then the other one is trust, and how much we are trusted as a leader. And when he was explaining this, he he drew it on a whiteboard and just drew a, a large L, almost like a graph. So you have a y-axis going up and down, and an x-axis going side to side horizontally. And and. And vertically, he, he labeled that as performance. So the higher on the graph you went, the better of a performer you were. And then across the bottom, horizontally, he labeled that trust. So the further out to the right you went, the more trustworthy you were. And so he said, obviously, as leaders, we the best leaders he said are those that are high performers and uh and generate high trust from the people that they lead so that would put a you know a box in the upper right hand corner these are people that perform well they're trustworthy and things but he said those are really hard to come by he said the majority of the time these days most of the leaders that he is seeing and i would have to agree with him in everything that i I've, I've observed is that the leaders today tend to be high performers with low trust and many times the leaders or the people that are selected as leaders are selected because they are great performers not because they have built great trust with their colleagues or coworkers and and we could get into this analogy a, a lot more. I mean, there's a lot of detail to it. And he said, obviously, those that perform well are not necessarily great leaders if the people following them don't trust them. And he said, the high performers and low trust tend to be more toxic people. And, and he said, unfortunately, this is this is more typical of the type of leaders we have in industry and in our workplaces today. His bottom line, uh, just to summarize that part, he said, I would rather hire a less performing individual with a great amount of trust on the trust scale. He said, people that, that can rally others with trust will tend to lead an organization, even if their performance is slightly less than others, so it was a great, great thought that trust building trust uh, along with performance is, I think today what makes the best leader.
0: That's incredible, and I I've been interviewing different HR professionals over the past several weeks and. A significant trend that is happening is trust there is a corrosion of trust and there's this internal cannibalism that's happening between the colleagues because people are trying to uh, scale the ladder they're trying to figure that out and so it's corroding this trust and almost deteriorating the morale because people can't trust each other anymore and that's interesting that simon sinek mentioned that trust is such a critical component of that because it's it's literally its own access its own axis. so beautiful thought mike i really appreciate that just to build on that what would you say are some foundational pillars or characteristics or key components of making a, a really sound leader
1: Boy, those are, again, great questions. <clears throat> one of the other thoughts that keep uh, coming up in research leadership these days is the the thought and the idea of empathy. And with empathy, empathy is one thing that will help build trust. Um, empathy is our ability to really understand the people we work with, to really, it's not so much sympathy, but empathy is to feel with someone um, their experiences and what they're having. Each of us, you and I both, Carolyn, when we show up for work, when we're present in our teams, we, we come with all of our baggage. We come with all of the things that have challenged us, that have made us successful, that have torn us apart, that have put us back together. We, we just come with the whole thing. And the whole package, if we can learn to embrace the whole package, because the whole package is what constitutes our, our, the skills that we've ended up with, um, I think the better off we are. So empathy is certainly one of those skills. And with that, I would go back to the ability to earn someone's trust and uh, not just earn it but maintain it. I think we we build trust by being empathetic. We build trust by showing forth care and concern and compassion. We also build trust by being consistent in our behavior no matter what that is. You know, if we're consistently ornery, but people can depend on us for being ornery, um, at least there we have that level of consistency that they can depend on now. honorness is not really what we 're looking for in the workplace, but, but <laughs> consistency and dependability in our in our behaviors really is is what will drive it i I would rather trust someone just from top to bottom than I would love and care for them as long as I can trust somebody that would be uh, that would be the <laughs> ideal for me. Um, one of the funny little things I've, I've said for several years, if I trust you, if I learn to trust you, I will give you my garage code and a key to my truck. And, um, and that that's just become, it's, it used to be subconscious, but now it's kind of conscious when I, when I meet someone, I kind of, I kind of ask, wow, could I trust you with my garage code? And, and could I give you a key to my truck and be okay with that? And and I know it's kind of a silly little analogy, but it's something that's kind of worked for me. If I can trust you with my garage code, I would almost know within seconds of meeting someone whether that was the case. And so once I have that level of trust established, anything will either add to that trust or take away from that trust. But usually those first impressions are pretty valuable.
0: I, I completely agree. And I appreciate that it's one of those things where it's almost like a trust deposit. How What are we depositing and what are we withdrawing? And are we, you know, are we bouncing our quote unquote trust account with other people? Because so often we get in these mindsets that, oh, well, I deposited this months ago and I just just Withdrew, I over withdrew. And so now I'm in the negative. And that's how a lot of corrosion of trust is happening is we just take, take, take too much. And we're not remembering how imperative it is to put those deposits back in. And we need to constantly and consistently deposit those things so that people can feel valued. They can feel trusted. And when we show up as a team and as leaders, that's going to totally transform the entire experience because showing up and saying what you mean and mean what you say is going to have a totally different um environmental impact and climate for everybody involved so i I really appreciate that, Mike thank you so much
1: sure, you know this made me think of um one other thing to add to this part of the conversation, and that is a, a TED talk I heard probably a year or so ago from a Harvard Business School professor. Her name is Frances Fry, F R E I. And if you want to view that TED talk, you should. And it has to do with gaining trust, maintaining trust, or even restoring trust. And she talks about the three components of trust and and we've We've talked about one of those. One of those is definitely empathy. The two others, I don't think will surprise you. But one of the others is authenticity, or being genuine.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: The others, which did, or the other one, which did surprise me a bit, is something she calls rigor of thought. and And I like that one because if I'm going to, or if I'm gonna, want you to gain trust from me. I'm going to have to have some rigor of thought. And that means I'm going to, if I'm trying to convince you of something, it's got to be rigorous or dependable in, in the amount of, of, uh, sort of forethought or research I've got into what it is I'm trying to convey to you. So there has to be that rigor of thought. At the same time, you have to believe that I'm being genuine with you and that I'm, I'm not being I'm not falsifying anything I'm not coming to you as someone that I'm not I'm not trying to misrepresent myself um, so you have to believe that I'm I'm being truly authentic and genuine and then the third piece to that is am I empathetic if you and I have a conversation in this rigor of thought and in my attempt to be very genuine with you will I also show empathy toward you her thought is, is as long as you have all three of those components you are most likely to um, build trust and maintain trust. She says loss of trust will come in the loss of any one of those three, but can also be maybe restored with the restoration of one of those three pieces. She almost called it, I think she did call it a three-legged stool. But the stool will stand if we've got all three of those Uh, components of trust, authenticity, rigor of thought, and empathy in place.
0: Well, and how quickly can we tell if someone's being genuine with us? It's it's rather quick that we can see right through the facade, or we can really feel and and connect with their authenticity. It's it's a really quick transaction. And people are gonna know if it's a business transaction or if you're being treated like a human, like the heart-to-heart transaction that we need so desperately in in personal and professional interactions. Boy. Yeah, it was so true. Were you gonna finish that thought? Yeah, no, no, that was that was pretty much it. Like I I think that it's so important that We move from a a business-to-business transaction to a heart-to-heart connection transaction where we treat people like people again. Everybody has knowledge, skills, and abilities. What we're now looking for is talent optimization. We're looking for people who are leaders who not just have the knowledge, skills, and abilities, but who have like the drive and the characteristics and the core abilities to be leaders. And it's not just extroverts or introverts. It really is what what is your motive why are you everyone can understand so true everyone can understand like what your motive is and they can sense it quickly and whether it's like oh i'm trying to scale the ladder be on my team or hey i want to help you how can i help you what what can i do to alleviate some of this pressure that's on your shoulders i can tell it's it's quite crushing and i want to help you versus be on my team i, I want to get on the corporate ladder what are your right. thoughts on oh,
1: that? Oh, goodness. You know, what you made me think of um, when you asked the question, how quickly can we figure this out in people? How quickly can we identify sort of trustworthiness or skill or otherwise? Um, there was some research that was done um, probably within the last 10 years. And I'm trying to remember the reference. And if I remember before we uh, finish up today, I'll, I'll bring it back to you. but. Um, this was an interesting research project conducted on a university campus where um, they they took some students who had attended an entire course so an entire semester and and at the end of that semester they gave these students a survey about the professor rate your professor and so all of these students rated the professor gave the professor a, a certain value rating and and they were done but then they they had videotaped this professor. And they pulled together another certain group of students, and they allowed the students to watch like a two-hour video of a lecture. And then they asked these students to rate the professor as well. They took another group of students, and they they allowed the students to see a a 15-minute video of the professor. And then they were going to rate the professor using the same scale. Well, they kept driving down the amount of time that these different groups of students would be exposed to the professor down to I think it was down to about 15 seconds. So students watched the the, the uh, professor lecture for about 15 seconds. And they also took the same um, or, or gave the professor a, uh, a rating scale using the same scale. And do you have any idea what the outcome of that was?
0: Oh, I bet it was quick. I bet the two hours was pointless because it's going to be the exact same thing as the 15 seconds.
1: It was. And, and I think that's that was the point of this. Whether students viewed this uh, professor for a few seconds or an entire semester, their assessment of this professor was exactly the same. And so the take-home message to that is that we figure people out and people figure us out really fairly quickly I mean virtually within seconds so one of the things that the research will tell us as well is one of the very first things that we ask not the very first but one of the very first things that we ask ourselves when we meet an individual new for the first time is can I trust you and Everything that happens after that question is answered will take you in one direction or another. And I'm sure you've met people, and I have met just maybe a handful in my life. And my instant impression upon meeting them was, N- I'm sorry, but I, I can't trust you. I-, I-, I can't trust you. And But I think for the most part, as we meet people, there usually is a fairly quick bond, um, if not... An outright trust and and maybe i'm unusual because i'm a fairly trusting individual when it comes to things like that but but i've also noticed that in my life i've usually been right with those first impressions about trust so as we decide um, who who is going to lead us, I can distinctly remember experiences in my professional career where I've had impressions about certain leaders meeting them for the first time, <clears throat> maybe negative impressions, and they they actually proved themselves correct with
0: time. That's so fascinating because regardless of your title – we can pick up whether or not you're going to be a trustworthy person. And I've had experiences in the past where people held really high titles and I wouldn't trust them as far as I could throw them. And I'm not exactly sure how they got there or why they got there. And that's irrelevant because that person's influence was very narrow in scope because I also know that the team that this individual was over, none of them trusted their leader. None of them. We would have conversations and sidebar conversations. And it's just like, how can we trust our leader if this individual exhibits this type of behavior or this person will say one thing and then do another? And so what we do says a whole lot more than what we say. And with that, Mike, I would be really interested in knowing how how can we know which voices to listen to, even regardless of title?
1: Ooh, another another really important question, and that is, I, I think you've hit it on the head that way, how do we train ourselves to listen to those voices? I, I think anytime uh, those voices will lead us to goodwill, I think generally we should go there. We should trust those voices. Um, I think anytime those voices lead us to a point of maybe ill will, or building mistrust or maybe uh, destroying another person or lead us into a place of gossip or hearsay or, or things like that. I think those are the voices that we need to avoid. Um, one of the topics which has been fairly top popular with me lately in training groups uh, has involved the idea of workplace toxicity, and we know that it's on the rise. We know that it's very problematic. We know that many people feel unsafe at work many times. Um, ironic, maybe not ironically, a couple of years ago, HR magazine published an, uh, some thought and research that um, uh, the top two industries in the U.S. with the most toxic workplaces were healthcare and education. Wow. And we were not, I, I mean, I've been in both. I've been in healthcare and education, and I'm certainly not surprised at that. I just didn't realize that someone had actually quantified that. And uh, boy, so impressed with the research that actually nailed that down. But what was very interesting to me is the researchers said, you know, we see this kind of toxicity anytime there is a, a pretty grave hierarchy within. Business So hierarchy can be something like, uh, you know, um, uh, people at some level make a lot more money than the other people. Um, People at this level are a lot more educated than other people. People at this level have a lot more authority or, for instance, in the military where there's there's definitely that hierarchy. So there tends to be more toxic relationships in in those kinds of settings. Um, And. I remember in healthcare years ago there was a, a hospital that I was aware of that had um, had a pretty serious medical error that ended up costing the life of a young patient. And as they studied why this, how this could have happened, because the the patient was admitted with a fairly innocuous condition and was dead within 24 hours, and they looked back at. At a series of 17 medical mistakes or 17 opportunities, let's say it that way, 17 opportunities for someone to have said something, done something or acted in a certain way that would have reversed this pattern. But it didn't happen because there was such a hierarchy of fear. Or trepidation. Well, if I say something, or if I tattle on somebody, then I'm going to get in trouble for it, and then I'm going to. They're going to shun me, and on and on and on. So, it it it. They studied that very very seriously, and and it came down to this this uh, this sort of environment of fear. And I want to say, bless the heart of the administrators at the hospital for taking this so seriously, because what they did is they developed a culture in the hospital that gave equal authority to every single person that meant parents patients families had had equal authority to say something if they saw something that means that housekeepers could call physicians on something and in fact, that happened. housekeeper walked in a hospital room where a physician was in there talking to the patient and um, and the housekeeper noticed that the physician hadn't washed their hands and the housekeeper not only had the authority but called the physician on it right there and said, "Doctor, you didn't wash your hands." in In some circles, that would be so unacceptable because of the hierarchy and the difference, the power differential, the reporting differential. But in this hospital now, with their new program, everyone had the authority um, in an operating room, just a scrub tech would have the authority to to stop a surgical procedure. If he or she saw something that was in question and they could stop the procedure without recrimination um, because of creating this equity of of care, concern, patient first and and things like that. So this is really part of leadership. If we create a culture where everyone has some level of equality in guiding the company, wow, it changes everything. I think it does.
0: How transformative for everyone involved? I mean, the fact that it doesn't matter if you're a family member or a doctor, if you say something, it's equally as valued and needed and wanted as someone else on, you know, the surgical team or another team. Yes. How transformative would that be if that type of culture was instigated and created in all of the industries? What would that do? How would people respond? I mean, how much more empowered would we feel to say something that if I said something, regardless if you are the CEO or a housekeeper, it doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. I, we all have equal say and we all have equal weight to bear, regardless of our responsibilities. That is oh. phenomenal. Yeah,
1: it's a it is a great culture once once everyone is on board with it. And another quick example about that was um, was a uh, a nurse with a physician who was going to conduct a procedure using a certain surgical device, and and the nurse looked at the device that the surgeon had chosen and said, "Doctor, I I think that's the wrong size." And the physician looked at her almost as if looks could kill and said, "No, this is the right size." the nurse had the confidence because of this new culture to hit the doctor three times with questioning his choice of device. Not until the third time did the surgeon have the courage, I guess, to set down what he had chosen and take a serious look at what he had selected. And indeed the nurse was correct. And the surgeon <clears throat> was so taken by that, initially feeling a bit arrogant that someone would question his his approach, um, but eventually came so clean with that and, and ended up providing a training video and admitting kind of what he had experienced and why he had uh, been a bit maybe overconfident with it. But Again, helping to provide a, an avenue where everyone has the authority to say something, and it's meant a dramatic reduction in in errors and uh, and mishaps within that setting. So I, I really look up in respect to someone an organization who can take that in control. I would love in the future if we could do that organizationally overall to where all of us have some level of equity and sharing opinions and, and not feeling like we're going to be punished because of it.
0: And that took a lot of courage on the surgeon's part after the third, you know, the third prompt sure. that it was like, you know what, we're, we're shifting our culture. I need to check myself. And then to admit that the surgeon was incorrect and the nurse was Right. How wonderful that is to to take a step back and realize this nurse has my back, this nurse really genuinely has the best interest at heart for the patient and for the hospital for my career as well. we all we' we're, we're creating this culture of um of trust and having each other's back and really raising the bar of expectation and and equity in in all capacities That's sure. wonderful
1: you're you're absolutely right.
0: What would you say um why why is leadership crucial in today's world?
1: I don't know that there's ever been a time Carolyn where we have needed better leaders and and I mean that in every sense of the world in every sense of the word um I think politically in the world we need better leaders um in our schools we need better leaders in our just our organizations everywhere. Um, we need leaders who, not only who have some training, but have the fundamental characteristics in place. Uh, another one of those uh, piece of researches uh, or pieces of research uh, that I've enjoyed is one that suggests that leaders who are most successful. Are those who promote an attitude among their uh, constituents, if you will, that I'm going to look out for your back as much or more than I'm going to look out for mine? My goal in this company is to make you as successful as I would like to be. And if everyone really employed that attitude, you would find greater success overall, and there would be less competition, less bullying, less toxicity, and actually companies would grow more. There's uh, In this research, uh, there was a piece that came out from Harvard Business Review that said that workplace toxicity can be responsible for about... 50% 50% of productivity in a company and you ask any CEO would you like to improve your productivity by 10% and there's not one of them who's going to turn you down how about 20% how about 30 or 40% but we've got an issue here that is impacting some companies uh, upwards of 50% productivity and there are some there are some things we can do about it uh, but many times these, uh, these go, these issues just go un, un, uh, unexplored, um, unresolved. And, uh, there's, it's, it's kind of a shame. So why do we need this? We need good leaders to, to not just improve the, the, the productivity in a company, but Im, improve our overall business relationships, personal and professional relationships, and overall for the betterment of society at large.
0: Absolutely. It is so crucial. Do you think that there's a difference between influencers and leaders?
1: Great question. And and to some degree, I want to say no. And yet, uh, we could dive into that. I again, I kind of go back to my kids and I'll, I know that they're influencers. I've watched my kids in many ways, influence other kids for good. I've watched some isolated circumstances where I thought, Ooh, you weren't really a great influence for those kids today. <laughs> um, and so you and I are influencing people every day, every hour, every minute that we're around anyone else. I thought, you know at times when I've gone to the bank and had a transaction there or if I've gone to you know pick up my dry cleaning or if I've gone to the grocery store or been to the doctor or whatever, I have the choice whether to be nice kind respectful and and the days when I really feel that i you know I'm just nice, kind, and respectful, I'm surprised at how well that's received, and especially in industries where there tend to be a lot of Sort of unkind people, I remember once even recently somebody said, "Thank you for being so nice, and I thought, "Oh my gosh, well, of course of course right and and in that moment i'm I'm an influencer. I think also to some degree i'm I'm a leader as well, and uh, I can be a leader of one influencing one or leading one. But when I lead one and that leader turns around and leads one more, all the better. You know, I hope in, and we both hope in our speaking opportunities, we have the opportunity to lead and influence a number of people simultaneously. Uh, and, And it's, it goes way beyond us influencing them. It's their ability then to take newfound knowledge or thoughts and transform their own lives accordingly. So, I, the whole idea behind influencer or leader is is probably certainly debatable, but is an interesting discussion for sure.
0: Absolutely, I think they're almost euphemisms. They are one and the same because we need to have individuals or an individual to influence. And if we take the lead, if we help other people get to where they want to go, if we help people gain a new skill, insight. We are leaders. And I think that every single day, we have the opportunity to influence and to lead what we choose to do with our time and to how we choose to interact with other people. Just as you were saying, at the grocery store, at the convenience store, how are we treating people? Are we treating everyone we see, regardless of outward statuses? Are we treating people As equals, regardless of uniform, regardless of appearance, how we treat people says a whole lot more about us than it does about them.
1: Yeah, it it sure is. and And you've probably heard this as well. But, you know, I think the true test of character is how we treat people who can do absolutely nothing for us.
0: Oh, absolutely. It's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. I think of this woman who I used to work for, and she is hands down, one of the most influential people I have ever had in my life. And I only worked with her for about a year and a half. And the way she treated me said a whole lot more about how she felt about me than any other task, any other responsibility I had. And I truly hope one day to be half the leader that she, because of how that, that 18 months with her taught me what I wanted to be in a leader and how I wanted to lead and what I wanted to lead and having people like that in our lives where they treat us better than, than what we think we could be. Um, She, she definitely taught me that. And I'm, I'm really grateful because then I get to, to pass that on to other people where they may be in a certain space or a headspace where I can come in and say, I believe that you can do more than that. I believe that you have the capabilities and the potential and the opportunities to just really take off. And we get to do that. Friends and neighbors and community members and, uh, you know, whatever our jobs may be, we get to have that opportunity every single day to step in and let people know that we believe in them and that they, we believe that they can they can open any door that they want.
1: And aren't you so thankful to have had that experience in your life, to have had someone so powerfully influential in your life? And it will stay with you forever. You, you're remembering it now and you'll remember her influence for the rest of your life. And and her leadership is, is instilling in you the desire to be that same type of leader for others. And boy, if that isn't the gift of life right there, I, I don't know what is. But I'm, I'm thankful for you that you've had that opportunity. Because once we've tasted that kind of character and individual in our lives, we're not quite the same.
0: Never. Never. I mean, she instilled in me the gift of hope. And once you ignite that gift, it's, it's like, you can't stop. You want to share it with everyone. Like you can do this. Like somebody believed in me and I want to believe in you too. And this is what we can do together. Let me, let me like lift where I can and let me offer resources and we can collaborate together so that it is a we success.
1: Of course. I love nice. it. Nice, very nice.
0: Oh, Mike, this has been so delightful. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to chat with me about leadership and your thoughts on it. I think that you're a profoundly wise man, and I really look forward to all of the all of the good things that are coming your way.
1: And I just wish you well and compliment you and your endeavors and uh, your aspirations and. Leadership and your desire to be that very leader that others have been for you. So, thank you so much, Carolyn, and, and hopefully we can do this again.
0: Oh, it would be my pleasure. I would absolutely love that, Mike. That would be great. Oh. Well, thanks again, and, and please enjoy um,
1: the rest of the evening and, and let's chat again soon.
0: Okay, sounds good. I'll talk to you later. Bye bye. get the download on our guest today, head on over to myorangesoul.com and be sure to check out our sponsor Reminisce Audio at reminisceaudio.com. Peace and blessings, my friends. Stay rad.